Welcome to the Story Walk, a podcast by storytellers for storytellers, and we hope that means you. Whether you identify as a storyteller with a capital S, or if you just like to tell stories in your work, say as a teacher, librarian, counsellor or community leader. And not forgetting, if you're a parent or a grandparent looking to share stories and values with your family. And since the Story Walk is presented by FEAST, the Federation of Asian Storytellers, our focus is on sharing Asian stories and celebrating tellers from the Philippines in the East to Turkey in the West and countless storytelling communities that lie in between. Hello and namaste. A very warm welcome to episode 7 of Story Walk. My name is Meher Kehi and I'm so delighted to be your host today. First of all, a big thank you to all our listeners for showering your love and praises on Story Walk. We'd like to invite you to possibly the largest storytelling festival of the year, the Feast Fest, happening this October 21, with 160 plus tellers, 51 shows, 24 languages, and performers representing 20 plus countries. The Feast Fest 2021 promises to be a storytelling bonanza over 17 days from 15th. To 31st feast, October. It's a fest, story celebration. Time to tell you stories that are distinctly Asian. It's In today's feast, episode, I'm going fest. to give you a sneak peek into week one of the fest, that is from the 15th to 23rd October. The shows at the fest have been allocated into three streams multilingual, kids, and adults. It's been a delight speaking to a few performers from the fest to get a glimpse into each of these streams. Three stories today, narrated by three StoryWalk producers, reflect the multilingual kids and adult streams. The multilingual stream which broadcasts every day from 5 to 6 p.m. Singapore time celebrates more than 20 languages spoken by our members. Many of the performances will have subtitles or captioning and the use of song and dance and colourful ethnic costumes making these fascinating to watch. Four Indonesian storytellers will accompany you on a journey as they paint a picture of Indonesian culture through local folktales in Bahasa, Indonesia. Experience one of the longest surviving classical languages with numerous dialects, rich literature and abundant sweetness. Yes, Tamil from India. Through the eyes of an Indian elephant is a journey not to be missed, especially if you love elephants. Savor Korean culture through a drama story, Dukebi and the Pouch of Songwen for children. This story was written by the famous pioneer storyteller of the 1920s, Panjong Won. It's performed by the members from Chikkori Storytellers Group in Korean. But don't worry, the story will have subtitles in English. I was lucky to catch up with Angkok Kyung from Malaysia, who has been mesmerizing audiences with stories since 2006. Given his ability to tell stories in Mandarin, English and Malay, a skill which has taken him all over Malaysia, South Korea and other parts of Asia. 
Angkokgyeong was a natural choice for the multilingual stream. Hello and a warm welcome to you, Angkokgyeong. You are performing on the opening day of the Feast Fest with tellers from across other countries, which is so wonderful. At the outset, could you tell us the meaning of the title of your session, Graduk Gradik Graduk Gradak, which sounds very unique and interesting. So firstly, I would like to say thank you for giving me an opportunity to take part to this Story Walk podcast. And I believe all of you would like to know what is the meaning of this Graduk Gradik Graduk Gradak. When you listen to this title of this story, it sounds like ties right okay so actually this story is from thailand so i heard this story a few years back when uh, the storytelling festival in penang performed by dr wajibatosa and dr prasong this story really really get me attracted to it now the meaning of this actually the words that shows the body movement the body that struggle and twitch well, thank you for enlightening us on that. So tell us who all are part of this project and what are the languages being showcased in the festival in your show? Yes, for this Feast Storytelling Festival, the opening performance, beside myself, we have a storyteller from Turkey, Jam Alpha, and also Masako Kerry from Japan. Three of us are going to perform this story, the same story, using, we call it bilingual, where beside we will narrate the story in English, the same time also we will tell the story in our own mother tongue, Mandarin, Turkish, Japanese language. We work as a team to perform this story uh, using a special way where we would like the audience can understand the plot of the story in English and at the same time also we want the audience to have a chance to listen to the story performed using our own mother tongue. Wow, that sounds so exciting. So many languages in one show. I feel that having a multilingual stream at an international festival, it's so unique by itself, isn't it? What are your thoughts about it, especially in terms of promoting cultural diversity across Asia through stories? This uh, Free Storytelling Festival is a festival which is very, very special for me because uh, all audience, they will be exposed to not only their mother tongue and also other languages from different, different countries. Like myself, I, um, most of the time, I tell story in three languages, which are English, uh, Mandarin, my mother tongue, and also uh, Bahasa Melayu, my na national language. So, for example, when I tell the story, Bawang Putih, Bawang Merah, or Malaysia version of Cinderella, when come to the part where the stepmother was looking for Putih. So in English, hmm, where is Putih? Putih, Putih, where are you? And if I tell in Mandarin, and if I tell in Bahasa Melayu, eh, pute, oi pute, pute, ish, mana pergi budak ni, eh? See, it will give the audience different feeling because every language have their special part and very, very unique. So sometimes we come to a situation where the character was in trouble. So in English, we say, oops. In Mandarin, we can say, Ayah. Or in Bahasa Melayu, Alamak. 
<laughs> so the interesting part is that when all the audience listen to the part, no matter it's oops or ayah or alama, you still can engage the audience. So true, no? Every language has these nuances that's best expressed in that language itself. As an early childhood educator and a principal of a preschool, what impact does storytelling in mother tongue language have on young children? I strongly believe that storytelling can give and can bring a very, very strong impact to a child or to anybody because the storytelling involves listening skill. So, you know, when a baby or a child was still in the mother's womb, so among the five senses that they should develop, so one of the senses which was well developed in the earlier stage was sense of hearing. Even inside the womb, the baby can hear the conversation between the father and mother and any sounds that goes through the mother's ears. When they were born, they already have a good listening skill compared to other senses. So when we tell the story to the children as an input, so they will listen and absorb all the vocabs and also moral value and etc. to their brain, to their mind. And sooner or later, as an output, they will try to use the vocab and speak that language. So, storytelling is, a, is one of the most effective ways to pick up language, actually. Absolutely. So, tell us, how has knowing different languages helped you as a storyteller? Yeah, for myself in Malaysia, so by knowing three languages, that actually it really, really brought me to everywhere, tell story to different audience, not only in within Malaysia, and also to overseas. Now to Taiwan, I can tell them story in Mandarin, and then to Vietnam, I can use English, and then they have a translator over there, and to Indonesia, yeah, I can tell story in Bahasa Melayu. So yeah, I can say that this skill that. Again, it's really bring me out from Malaysia. Coming back to your show, how do you plan to connect with the audience, especially those who don't know or speak any of the languages that you'll be performing in? So yeah, uh, I would like to share with you one of my experience uh, a few years back. So under one program, so we have a group of storytellers went to the northern part of Malaysia, uh, in, to the small small town Baling, so uh, to the Chinese school over there, Chinese primary school. So we were told that okay, they will give us the year one student, okay, to tell a story in Mandarin. So when all the children came and then we look at the audience, oh my goodness. More than half of them are Thais. They mean Malaysian Thais. So their Mandarin is not very, very good. What are we going to do? We still have to tell the story in Mandarin, but we or we emphasize more on gesture. So, uh, it's a mouth. I'll put my finger like the whiskers, so the children can relate that. Okay, with the sound of the mewing, and my fingers like this. It shows that it's supposed to be a a, a, a cat. And then we come to rabbit, I'll say, and tozi, boing, boing, boing. Uh, with my both of my hands here, like long ears for the rabbit. And then they will know that, okay, tozi actually means rabbit. So this is how we get the children or the audience uh, engaged with our story when they don't really understand our mother tongue or the, or the language that we are using. 
Thank you so much, Angkok Kyong, for sharing your brilliant insights with us today. We look forward to seeing you at your show at the Feast Fest. Okay, thank you very much. Bye bye. Now, I'd like you to listen to a very famous story, Two Goats on a Bridge, bilingually in English and Hindi. Bye. Let's see who's the teller. Oh, it's me. It was a beautiful summer day. The sun radiated with energy and smiles. Bright, colorful flowers bloomed everywhere. A hungry black goat was seen to be grazing in the grassland. Me, me. She thought to herself. I have seen the goats on the other side of the river. They seem to be singing all the time. The grass on that side must be sweeter. I must cross the bridge today to taste the delicious grass. And she started walking towards the bridge. On the other side of the bridge, a hungry brown goat too was grazing. <laughs> she thought to herself, "Pull ki dusri aur bakriyan bahut khush lagti hain. Shayad wahan ki ghas." ज्यादा स्वादिष्ट होगी मुझे आज पुल पार करना चाहिए और वहां की घास को चखना चाहिए ब्राउन गोट टू स्टार्टेड वॉकिंग टूवर्ड्स द ब्रिज ऑन रीचिंग द ब्रिज बोथ द गोट्स सो ईच आदर एंड स्टार्टेड वॉकिंग टूवर्ड्स ईच आदर सो एज टू क्रॉस एंड गो टू दी अदर साइड बट ऑन रीचिंग द सेंटर ऑफ द ब्रिज दे बोथ रियलाइज that the bridge was narrow and only one goat could pass at a time the black goat said <laughs> i walked on the bridge first so i will cross first you move back the brown goat replied nahi nahi maine pehle pehle is pul par apna kadam rakha to main pehle ise paar karungi <laughs> the black goat retorted oh you silly goat Who are you arguing with? Can't you see? I am stronger than you. You better step back, or else. The brown goat yelled. किसे धमकी दे रही हो? मुझे? हाँ, मुझ जैसी बलवान बकरी आज तक नहीं देखी होगी. मैं तुमसे नहीं डरती. And thus, both the goats started squealing and arguing. Me, me. I will go first. नहीं. मैं पहले जाऊंगी नाउ वेज मी फर्स्ट नहीं पहले मैं एंड इन नो टाइम दे बोथ लॉक्ड देर हॉर्न्स एंड पुश्ड ईच अदर विद द हेड्स एंड ऑल देम माइट आई एम विनिंग अरे बाप रे ये तो मुझे पीछे धकेल रही है मैं नहीं हार सकती शी इज पुशिंग मी बैक आई एम लूजिंग मैं जीत रही हूँ मैं नहीं डरती एंड बिफोर दे रियलाइज दे बोथ स्लिप्ड एंड स्प्लैश फेल इन टू द रिवर द रिवर करेंट्स कैरीड दम बैक टू देर ओन शोज वे दे हैड स्टार्टेड हाउ एवर बोथ द गोट्स व हेड स्ट्रॉन्ग एंड डिटर्मिंड टू टेस्ट द ग्रास ऑन द अदर साइड ऑफ द रिवर द नेक्स्ट डे दे स्टार्टेड वंस अगेन ऑन द ब्रिज एट द सेम टाइम and once again met at the center of the bridge each goat was fuming and glaring at the other one me me 
द ब्राउन गोट सेट मुझे पहले जाने दो वरना कल की तरह आज भी पानी में फेंक दूंगी द ब्लैक कोट रिप्लाइड अरे बाप रे ये तो मुझे पीछे तक खेल रही है मैं नहीं हार सकती पुशिंग मी बैक आई एम लूजिंग मैं जीत रही हूँ मैं नहीं डरती रिवर करेक्स्टे they once again started on the bridge unfortunately at the same time and once again met at the center of the bridge but this time fortunately both the goats felt sorry and silly for their behaviors the black goat said i am sorry for being foolish and selfish the brown one added mujhe bhi maaf kar do dost main bhi badi murkh और मतलब ही हो गई थी मेरे पास एक योजना है द ब्लैक गोट एडेड गो अड फ्रेंड टेल मी योर आइडिया द ब्राउन गोट सेड मैं पुल पर बैठ जाती हूँ और तुम आराम से मेरे ऊपर चढ़कर इस तरफ आ जाओ और मैं फिर उठकर उस तरफ चलने लगूंगी द ब्लैक गोट नॉडेड एंड सेड थैंक यू फॉर बींग सो काइंड एंड कोऑपरेटिव द ब्राउन गोट सेट and said tumko bhi shukriya mujhe ek nayi seekh dene ke liye the black goat climbed over the back of the brown one and hopped over and both the goats crossed the bridge comfortably and happily they tasted the much desired grass on the other side of the river what do you think was it sweeter ah irrespective of whether it was or not The goats kept crossing the bridge every now and then. Well, not to relish the grass on the other side, but to meet and play with the new friend made on the bridge. The end. It's a feast, it's a fest, story celebration. Time to Now let's wade into the kids' tree and see what feast fest has to offer. Amongst the plethora of options that have been lined up to entertain your kids, let me spotlight a few. Did you know that Vishnu Sharma told the animal fables from the Panchatantra in a forest? Shelly Verma follows in his footsteps as she retells these fables in a magical forest in Switzerland. We will all discover its secrets from the big oak to the clues left by the animals in the performance. Panchatantra in the forest tales of a tiny samurai and a huge ogre two enemies who challenge each other to a race a monk with 10 coins and 12 competitors who jostle to be first for eternity all add up to a program called 12 10 2 1 a delightful hour of adventure magic and fun 
from China, Japan, Korea and the Philippines. And if you love puppets, the Puppet Palooza promises to be quite an extravaganza where string, stick and glove puppets become playful performing animals and curious characters all palloozering together in a colourful, comical, interactive story time. And now, let's dive into our next interview segment, Unboxing the Magic of Paper TV Kamishibai Storytelling. We spoke to Anna Manuel, who is an educator, storyteller and coach for creatives working with stories and children. She uses Kamishibai mostly as an early literacy teaching tool. Currently based in Australia, where she performs and runs workshops, she has become a part of a revival of this story art form. Hello Anna, we are so delighted to have you with us. For our listeners, especially those who may not be aware of Kamishibai, Please, could you tell us more about the storytelling style, also called paper theater? Oh, thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be sharing about this delightful storytelling format. Now, for those who are not familiar with Kamishibai, Kamishibai is a Japanese form of storytelling that gains ground in the 1920s. It's, it's oral telling of stories, but it uses the aid of picture cards, which are housed in a stage or a theater called butai. Now this stage, okay, imagine a full theater, you know, where you watch plays or musicals, you know, the ones with the wine red velvety curtains on the side. Then you reduce that whole setup into the size of a briefcase that you can put on top of a desk. That's how a butai looks like. The storyteller sits on the side of this stage, usually to the right, and tells a story. Now, as the teller narrates, they pull the cards from the side to reveal another picture behind it. And the story continues. Now, in Japan in the 1920s, Kamishibai storytellers, or Kamishibaya, would place the stage on the back of their bicycles, go around town, gather the children in the streets, tell them stories, and sell them candies. Are there notions of cultural appropriation when non-Japanese perform this form of storytelling? I believe each of us must wrestle with this question and make a decision individually about how we feel creating and telling Kamishibai. I personally acknowledge that this art form I love has its roots in Japan, and I'm grateful for the way it has opened doors into other cultures and friendships and ways of expressing. I'm not working with a sacred tradition. I never dress up or pretend I come from a Japanese heritage. I'm respectful of the Japanese kamishibai storytellers of the past and the current storytellers, and I am deeply honored by what they have invited us to join. Thank you, Anna, for throwing light on this important aspect. Tell me, how do you break stories into pictures? Every kamishibai storyteller has a different technique. And it's good to note here that kamishibai is considered a precursor of Japanese animation and manga or comics, as we know. So when I create my kamishibai stories, what I do is I think of the story as a series of images. 
Then I pick the images that show a powerful action, a transition, or a change that moves the story forward. Coming from an educator's perspective, I also draw from my understanding of what children focus on when they read or when they listen to a story to inform me which images will create the most impact. What do you think makes it so appealing even today? Kamishiba is very enthralling. You know, take our session title, Paper TV Kamishiba Storytelling. It gives the audience the feeling of watching a screen because of the parameters of the stage. But at the same time, the oral telling and the pulling or manipulating of the cards in Kamishibai is a slow and deliberate process, which heightens the attention and anticipation in the audience. The format itself allows for creativity and playfulness on the part of the teller or the maker. Now, lastly, in Kamishibai storytelling, the audience has a lot of opportunity to participate. This in itself, we know as artists, is a, is a very powerful practice in keeping people engaged and curious, and it helps them remember the story better. That's great. You are performing in week one of the Feast Fest. Could you tell us more about your session? Join our session Paper TV Kamishibai Storytelling. Ramya Srini D, Archana Shandel, and myself will be making participatory Kamishibai stories around some of the topics close to our hearts nature, culture, and humor. We will also be attempting a type of tandem telling that we've seen performed live but not virtually, which might be a bit of a challenge, but we're super excited to make it happen. Children who have previously seen me tell Kamishibai stories have said they really loved guessing what's going to be in the next picture card. So this is a bit of like a guess what's next type of game for them. Now, one of the parents even said it's almost like playing peekaboo, but with stories. So make sure to watch our session, Paper TV Kamishibai Storytelling, in October. That sounds super exciting, Anna. I really look forward to your session. Tell me, how is it working and networking with storytellers across the globe for your program? What is the role of storytellers to promote cultural diversity according to you. Just look at us. We are three tellers from three different cultures coming together to tell stories in Kamishibai. We feel it adds to the energy of creating when we get to work together and then we also get to learn from each other. This cultural exchange of sorts is allowing us as artists to collaborate and expand our story repertoire and practice, you know, from which our audiences will also benefit. I believe as individuals, we are a cultural mix in ourselves. We are the products of our ancestry, our families, and our environments. Like when I tell Kamishibai stories, I acknowledge various cultures in my mix. You know, the culture where Kamishibai comes from, Japan where I was when I learned about Kamishibai and whom I learned it from. I was in Bangkok and my Australian friends and the Japanese family I worked with introduced me to Kamishibai. And
and also myself. You know, coming from a Filipino background, practicing in Australia, and learning about different kamishibai practices from people across the globe, all come into play when I create and tell kamishibai stories. Interesting. So Anna, tell me, which other programs in the Feast Fest Kids Dream are you looking forward to? I'm so looking forward to Double Trouble Tandem Tales by Mothers and Daughters. I haven't seen or heard anything like this before, and it sounds mighty interesting. I'd love to see and hear the voices and perspectives parents and children bring into the stories they're going to tell. I'm sure it's going to be exciting, it's going to be fascinating it's and fast. It's a fest, story celebration. After that refreshing interaction with Anna, let's listen to an awesome Panchatantra tale narrated by Dubai-based storyteller and co-producer of Storywalk, Shireen Saif. Once upon a time, in a village, there lived a washerman and his donkey. During the day, the donkey carried heavy loads of clothes and at night, the washerman would set him free to roam in the fields. The donkey grew quickly bored with the grass. And so he started to sneak into nearby farms and eat the fresh vegetables there. One night, he met a jackal and they became friends. They started meeting every night and would raid different fields each night eat till their stomachs were full and return to their homes early before the farmers woke up. This went on for many, many nights and one night they found a cucumber field with lots of ripe, juicy cucumbers to feast on. After the donkey had his fill, he said, I'm so happy today. Look at the moon. It's so beautiful. I feel like singing. The jackal, who was the wiser of the two, said, Shh, we are thieves. We cannot make ourselves heard. If you sing, the farmers will wake up and we will be caught. Forget about singing. This annoyed the donkey and he said, hmm, A wild animal like you cannot appreciate music. I'll show you what real music sounds like. The jackal saw that the donkey was determined to sing and said, Hmm, okay, sing your heart out. I'll go wait at the edge of the field so I can keep an eye on the farmers. And saying this, he ran out and hid in the bushes. The donkey cleared his throat, <coughs> lifted his face to the moon and started. <coughs> this woke the farmers up with a start and they ran into the field with sticks 
and in the light of the full moon, they saw the donkey beat him black and blue and put a millstone around his neck. As the donkey limped out of the field, the jackal came out of his hiding place and said to himself with a smile, <laughs> You sang so well, and now you have a medal for it around your neck. <laughs> and that is how the donkey learned the hard way that there is a time and place for everything. Madamari gapagasari garini sasa. As a way to transition from the kids to the adult stream, I'm going to give you a quick plug to Splish Splash Splosh, Feast's newest collection of Asian folktales, which will launch during the fest on the 22nd October in the adult stream. As we expect that mums and dads will be the ones buying the book, even though the stories are meant primarily for kids. And there will be more stories from the book aired on the kids stream on the 24th. As the title suggests, Splish Splash Splosh features water tales from Asia. And I'm thrilled that my retelling of a lovely Korean folktale, The Spring of Youth, was selected for this bubbly and refreshing anthology. The launch features some stories from the ebook and a chance for you to win yourself a copy. It's a feast, it's a fest, story celebration. Wait, did I say storytelling for adults? Well, absolutely. From the epic to the intimate, the scary to the comic, there is so much on offer here that it will leave you wanting for more. In whirling words of Rumi, Iranian storyteller, Zehra takes us on a narrative journey into the world of Persia's 13th century poet, Jalaluddin Muhammad Rumi. Zehra shares stories from Rumi's best-known work, Masnavi, regarded by many as the greatest mystical poem in world literature. If you like a good laugh, then the collection of tales about Nasruddin should be a must for you, as Roger Jenkins and Kem Alpha share a series of stories about Nasruddin's problems with his donkeys and his wives. Nasruddin tales epitomize the saying about brevity being the soul of wit as each one is often no more than a couple of paragraphs long, and with the wit comes an equal measure of wisdom. Stepping up, stepping out, Feast is delighted to present the five participants in Feast's inaugural performance mentorship in a showcase to make you smile, laugh, reminisce, wonder and celebrate. Come listen to Oshima from Japan, Kem from Turkey, Rukshan from USA, Prerna and myself as they, or rather we, enthrall you with stories as diverse as the tellers themselves. And now, saving perhaps the best till last, let's get a feel of the highlight of the festival, the Ramayan Kaleidoscope. A magnificent seven-day presentation of the Indian epic narrated by 14 storytellers from Feast India chapter which runs over 
all seven nights of week 1 coming up in conversation with two of the tellers aparna jay shankar and meera venkatesan from bangalore india aparna has researched on and collaborated with multiple artists to enunciate the beauty of indian literature through oral stories Meera a performance storyteller and learning consultant is propelled by her belief in the power of stories in inspiring learning and growth towards a better tomorrow Welcome Aparna welcome Meera to episode 7 of Story Walk Thanks Meher excited about being here Thank you Meher it's great to be part of this podcast I would like to ask you this Ramayan through the kaleidoscope is such an unusual name could you tell us a bit more about this why and how did the team choose such a unique title Well the feast india chapter was deliberating on the programs for the feast fest and ramayana came up as a very popular choice soon the team of 14 came together for this particular event and as we started discussing the program we realized something very unique that the show stopper of the entire presentation was not going to be any single story or storyteller but it was just the vibrancy of the entire group that was going to shine through Each of the storyteller had multiple thoughts, storytelling styles to bring, like kamishi bai, shadow puppets, dance, covered, and many more elements. Then we understood that what we want our audience to experience is a beautiful coming together of all this to present Ramayana, not just as a story but as an experience, and that will be Ramayana through the kaleidoscope. Wow, I heard 14 storytellers over 7 days of performances. Now that's a big undertaking. Why did the team choose 7 days? And if for some reason an audience member were to miss a day, would they be able to follow the story? Meher, it's not just 14 storytellers. It is 14 storytellers spread across India. So we have tellers from Mumbai, Bhopal, Chennai, Bangalore, Calcutta, Delhi. We are working together to bring this performance. And now see why seven days. Traditionally, the written version of the Ramayana is divided into seven chapters or kandas. And to bring out the essence of the epic, as a team, the 14 of us felt that each of these chapters must have a show of its own. So we have structured it in such a way that while each day is a standalone performance, the stories are interwoven. And if for some reason an audience member were to miss a day, though we highly recommend that you don't, there will be a recap of the story. However, each day the form of storytelling would differ, like how Mira said. So that would definitely be a missed opportunity. Well, we do encourage our audience to experience each day of the live performance. But just in case you happen to miss a day, you need not worry. Your fest pass will give you the access to catch up until November. Isn't that wonderful? Now, Feast Fest has a varied audience. Some have just embarked on their storytelling journey. Some are veterans, and yet others are somewhere in between. How do you think Ramayan through the kaleidoscope will cater to such an eclectic mix of members? Hmm. You know, Ramayana is a story which has been told thousands of times and still is told every year. And each time, each listener and the teller they find something new in this. That is the charm of the story. So I think half of the job is made easy because the story itself lends itself to being heard multiple times. But in addition, Ramayana through the kaleidoscope will create this magic with inspired and creative storytelling. So what we did is we carefully selected known and lesser known tales from the epic to share 
but at the same time making sure that the thread is unbroken from day 1 to day 7 so that it will give a big picture to our audience who are new to Ramayana yet entertain those who have already heard it. Now Aparna, considering this diverse group of 14 tellers which you mentioned are spread across the length and breadth of the country, what are the kind of challenges that the group is facing? The first challenge was to choose the base story and like I mentioned, the Ramayana is divided into seven chapters. So what we did was each day would have a chapter and two tellers per day. The members chose whichever chapter they wanted to perform in and that's how we had partners. Our partners worked in tandem to figure out what were the stories that they would like to perform. Then the partners chose the form that they would like to use like a coward or a kamishibai. Once these pairs chose, we kept in touch with the others and then came the difficult part of linking it through the days. Let us say in day 5 there is something about Sita's jewellery but the jewellery was given in day 2 then that pair would have had to incorporate it in their story. So that's how the scripting went back and forth and the reason why this again was possible is because we meet every week our Schedule time is for an hour but it goes way beyond that and that is just to let the other people know what we are working on. Otherwise the pairs meet practically every day and we connect with the people performing before and after us. So these are just about the scripting and the rehearsals. Then comes the technical challenges. We are all at home. This is a live performance. We would like to give the effect of grand studio within the four walls of our humble homes which means we are pushing furniture, we are buying ring light, we are trying to change our drapes, wondering if our saris can be a background. So those are some of the tech challenges that we are facing. The biggest challenge is some of us have never ever met and for some pairs this is the first interaction. Any performance, any rehearsal requires a level of vulnerability, a level of inability to be raw, an ability to stumble, to take in criticism and that comes only with trust. We are forming that on an online basis. If it were a physical space, one cup of tea and we are all best buds. But on a Zoom call to slowly to bring out those nuances, bring out this little bit of vulnerability. I think I would go back to that word. That is what uh, we are working on. That's what our rehearsals are all about. Ramayan is a familiar story in India. On the other hand, we have audiences from nations that might not be acquainted with the story. How do the performers plan on addressing this gap in familiarity? So like we said, the 14 of us are flung across various parts of India and we have heard many versions of the Ramayana. Amongst us itself, there were versions that some were not familiar with. The written versions alone were plenty. I mean, you have Tilsi Das Ramayana, Kamba Ramayana, Molla Ramayana, Vayana Ramayana and now the folk forms like uh, Tolubamalatam, Kavad and each one of these art forms that we were incorporating had their own Ramayana stories and all this, mind you, was just within the Indian subcontinent. Now, these stories have travelled to Southeast Asian shores and we have Ramakian in Thailand and Yamayana in Myanmar and many more. And like all good stories, the versions are sometimes contradictory to each other. So as a team, we decided to keep the Valmiki Ramayana, a poet credited to have first written the Ramayana as the base. So with the Valmiki Ramayana as the base, we have explored and experimented with the many storytelling formats that uh, Meera talked about. That is absolutely splendid. And since I am fortunate to be one of the 14 tellers, 
I do want to share with the audience that our talented team meets weekly for rehearsals to ensure that we give our audiences a marvelous storytelling experience of this epic tale. Thank you, Meera. Thank you, Aparna. And we look forward to performing this at the Feast Fest, isn't it? Absolutely. It's a fest. Story celebration. What a fabulous lineup of events for adults as well. Let's now listen to a story specially recorded for this audience by Singapore-based storyteller and co-producer of Storywalk, Krupa Vinayagam Murthy. Once, in a village in Tamil Nadu, there was a grand wedding. The bride was all decked up in a lovely maroon cotton sari and smiled at everyone, while the condescending groom, our mobler, well, he in his starched white cotton shirt and veshti, strutted around like a peacock. Right after the ceremony, the entire village walked over to the bride's house for a post-nuptial feast. Teen girls. decorated with long strands of jasmine in their hair stood to welcome the newly married couple the marble was treated like royalty of course bride on the side was bewildered and she was watching her entire family fawning upon the stranger while she the bride she faded into the shadows ignored in her own home Soon a lovely feast was served on a large green banana leaf. The entire bride's family fought over the right to serve the mapla. Na 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 mapla. Do idha saapringa mapla. Adha saapringa mapla. Everyone fought over what that they should be serving him. Now sure enough, our conceited mapla puffed up and acted unimpressed by the food. His nose remained firmly in the air. The bride watched this circus from the side with quite resentful smiles. A nibble here, a nibble there. Just when he was about to announce that he was done, Patti or Grandma came hunched out <coughs> of the shadows <coughs> with a large, toothless grin on her face. She was all bent over and her poor eyesight prompted her to gently touch his face. Ah! Ah! Yenna aduguva mafla. What a handsome young man. And with a firm grip on his jawline, mafla, inge parunga na ungalku chimbli pannirken. Naane arichu saapra maaten sollakudadu. Mafla Listen, I made this chimbli and I ground it with my own fair hands just for you. Now Mapla was haughty, but he wasn't that haughty. An offering from the oldest member of the family, well that wasn't one to refuse outright. Sorry, buddy. He mumbled and he stuffed the odd-looking brown ball into his mouth. Ah what a delight the earthy jaggery mixed with the creamy peanut and the chewy ragi ah it put him in a momentary trance but being the mapla it wasn't proper to reach out for more was it 
so he swiftly picked up a jug and washed his hands, signalling the end of his meal. That night, the nuptial night, Mapla entered his bridal suit. Garlands of jasmine hung from the nuptial bed frame, and the intoxicating smell teased his senses. <sighs> Wife, glowing. Right next to her, a large plate of fruits and a very tall glass of milk. Mmm. But the wife took one stern look at him and went straight to bed. Perhaps his patriarchal arrogance was a bad idea. And so he crawled into bed and lay there staring up. Staring up at the flowers. And as he lay, there was hunger in his belly and elsewhere, if you know what I mean. The time ticked on, his stomach let out a hungry rumble, and by 3 a.m. he was desperate. He looked around and his new wife had licked clean the milk and fruit platter. Ah, oh, She had enacted her revenge with perfection, hadn't she? Putting his pride aside for a moment, he reached out, gently touching her, <laughs> she flicked his hand away and rolled further away. He wasn't getting any favours from her tonight. In desperation and unable to bear the hunger, he crept out of his room. And what did he see? A sea of humans lying on the floor. As was custom, the whole of the bride's family and extended family had slept over for the night. <coughs> and he carefully tiptoed, tiptoed, tiptoed over every single body. And he finally found the kitchen. Oh, there must be food. Now you must remember this was at a time when there was no refrigeration. He searched high and he searched low. But like any good Indian household, all the vessels had been scrubbed, washed and dried to shining glory. Absolutely nothing to eat. But just then, a gentle breeze blew. And along came the heady smell of chimbley. He followed, hypnotized, beyond the larder, out to the backyard, along the dark corridor leading to the barn. And there, smack dab on the ground, a hollowed out grinding stone. Party's grinding stone. Ah, the last remnants of chimney remained. Yes! He dove forth and started licking vigorously, all dignity forgotten. He licked and he licked and he licked and he licked until, until there was no more. A party. Time to get back to bed, he thought. But his head, his head, his head was stuck. Head down, bottom up. No matter how much he wiggled, no matter how much he wriggled and jiggled, there he stood like an ostrich buried in the sand. The more he wiggled, the more stuck he got. Until the starched, white waistie wrapped around his hip fell. Now, of course, our Mapla had unfortunately decided to wear nothing underneath. 
and he was dreaming of so many other things to do on his marriage night. And so, there he stood, butt naked. Mapla heard a bucket roll. Ah! Yaaru paadhe! Ippri nattu nandu ula bucket a pottu vichirukkarudhu. Party cursed as she walked out to tend the livestock. Poor party with her failing eyes. And as party neared, his ears rendered. Hello! Hello! Nani! Pannu vendi dha arukku! and party took out the milking can and placed it right under the feet and she began to milk and she milked and she milked and she milked but alas there was no milk today when well, one thing i should have mentioned is that all the programs on the 15th of october the first day are totally free and everyone is most welcome to join us now after hearing all the exciting programs coming your way in the fest i'm hoping that you're already thinking about getting a pass to watch it so i've asked fellow walk producer roger jenkins who's also a part of the fest organizing committee to join us and talk passes and prices thanks mahe we've tried to cater to a wide variety of possible audiences while keeping ticketing simple so the fest has just five different passes for those who are real story lovers the full fest pass gives you access to everything in all three streams every single day and the great thing is that our early bird discounted offer of only 45 singapore dollars is still open for story what listeners until the 30th of september from the 1st of october it jumps to 55 dollars so i'd encourage any of our listeners to buy one of the passes this month before they increase wow 17 days of 3 hours a day is 51 hours of storytelling and for just 45 singapore dollars but do you seriously expect anyone to watch that much in a month roger <laughs> not at all That's why all the passes uh, give you the option to view the session recordings throughout the whole of November to the 30th in fact giving you plenty of time to catch up on what you've missed or uh-huh. indeed to watch your favorite uh, episode again and again Excellent now that's a lovely cherry on top You said there are five types of pass Roger what are the others besides the full fest For parents who want to give their kids a treat then the kids stream pass offers a much cheaper option one that gives you full access but just to the kids programs great i think the fact that the pass allows the kids to carry on watching sessions throughout november makes that really attractive especially if there's a story they like and can see it again yeah we hope so and likewise we realize that there may be viewers who are only interested in the multilingual stream and who for language reasons perhaps may not want to access many programs So the multilingual stream pass is priced even cheaper at only $10 as a result. Well on behalf of those audiences I say shukriya nanri arigato and shia shia which are four ways that I know of saying thank you in the 20 plus languages featured in the fest. Finally we have two passes for those on a budget 
which basically gives you full access to the festival, but only for programs in either week one or week two of the fest. So a tough choice, perhaps, but maybe there are people who really only want to catch, say, the Ramayana project in week one, or to get a fix of ghost stories in week two. Oh, of course, because the fest ends on Halloween, the 31st of October. <laughs> Listeners, if you want to find out about week two of the fest, do tune in to our October podcast, which will be launched earlier than usual on the 15th October to coincide with the fest launch. Uh, one more thing, Maya, if I may. I'd just like to remind our listeners that the prices I've mentioned are for non-feast members. So before you buy your Fest Pass, you might think about becoming a member first. As members get a really good discount on the Fest and all our event ticket prices, because Feast has, as you know, so much to offer beyond the Fest every single month. Oh yes, being a member, I second that. Thanks, Roger. Where can listeners go to find out more about purchasing their pass? Ah, yes. www.feast-story.org slash 2021-feast-fest. Let me say that again. Feast-story.org slash 2021-feast-fest. It's a feast. It's a fest. Story celebration. Time With so many exciting performances to cover and only an hour for the podcast, I could only give you a taste of some of the Feast Fest. And I'm going to be so, so in trouble with the tellers of the other excellent sessions if I don't earnestly encourage you to take a good look at the complete schedule to see what there is on offer. Remember, your pass will give you access to all the session recordings right up to the 30th November. So even if you can't catch them live, you can still enjoy them at your leisure. And with that, this is your host Meher Kehi signing off. And once again, on behalf of the entire Feast team, inviting you to come and experience the magic and splendor at this one-of-a-kind storytelling festival, the Feast Fest 2021. As we watch and listen, together we are one. It's a feast, it's a fest. Story celebration Time to tell you stories that are Distinctly Asian It's a feast, it's a fest Story celebration Time to tell you stories that are Distinctly Asian Oh, the world of story Comes alive as it is told and a story's wisdom is worth much more than gold Stories have the power to delight and surprise They move us and inspire us as we clearly visualize It's a feast, it's a fest, story celebration Time will tell you stories that are Distinctly Asian 
It's a feast, it's a fest, a story celebration. Time will tell you stories that are distinctly Asian. It's a feast, it's a fest, story celebration. Time will tell you stories that are distinctly Asian.